0: Sleepy Hollow is a place like no other, a place where the forces of good and evil collide for the fate of the world. Prophecies foretold witnesses destined to
1: protect us all, but will they prevail? Armed with keen insights and the ability to see into dark realms, well, maybe. Barb and
0: Steve help decipher The Witness Prophecies, a fan podcast dedicated to Sleepy Hollow on Fox. Welcome back, sleepyheads. This is episode 23 of The Witness Prophecies. I'm Steve, and I cannot recall which great colonial thinker coined the phrase, "'Twas a tiny patch of paradise. Oh, no, wait, that was me."
1: And I'm Barb, and ouch! I think something just stung me. Ooh. No. (laughs) Oh, I hope not. If I act crazy before the end of the podcast, I don't know. You may have to turn it off.
0: Keep those windows shut, Barb.
1: Yes, sir, Steve. Well, anyway, tonight we're going to be discussing the sixth Sleepy Hollow episode of season three entitled This Red Lady from Caribee. And this was written by Shurnod Edwards, and it was directed by Olatande Osunsanmi. Now, this director is somebody to watch. I think he's somebody who's an up-and-coming director. He has been involved in a number of sci-fi and fantasy show episodes, including directing ones on Falling Sky, Under the Dome, Extant, and The Last Ship, to name a few. So I think this is someone to watch in the future. And I think he did a bang-up job this week.
0: Yes. It was very well written and directed as well. And yes, Olatunde is definitely... Getting a whole lot more work here over the last year and has been doing a lot of fantastic work on these shows.
1: Great director.
0: All right. Let's have a recap, Barb.
1: Okay, here we go, Steve. So this week, Crane is out with Zoe on their first date, but it's not going very well. Meanwhile, Abby promises Danny that she will talk to Jenny and Joe about staying away from Atticus Nevins. Pandora calls forth her final evil to invoke the fear of fear itself. A red lady from Caribbean, which is a swarm of red wasps. Their first victim is a judge who was driven mad by their venom. Abby and Crane witness his death as he is to have been the judge in Crane's smuggling trial. Crane tells Abby that this wasp is called a sukayant, is from the Caribbean, and stings, brings on paranoia and death. Abby recalls a passage in Grace Dixon's journal about a similar situation 250 years ago and learns how to make a curative tonic. While investigating a second wasp sting, Danny is stung and turns on Abby. She restrains him and asks Jenny and Joe to find a unique ingredient needed for the cure. An acquaintance of Jenny's, who specializes in West Indies folk magic, has what they need and as Jenny hands him money, he changes as if possessed and tells Jenny that her soul shall be claimed. Danny, while under the spell of the Venom, talks to Abby about their prior relationship. Joe meets with Nevins. He's told that his father wasn't a good guy, and Joe hands over the Shard of Anubis, discovering that it contains a small red gem. Jenny has Joe's back, and they escape with their lives, but not before the red gem disintegrates and is absorbed into Jenny's hand. Meanwhile, Abby and Crane find Pandora's lair and fight the Red Lady. She is destroyed, but then they watch as a passageway opens in Pandora's tree, and she disappears. Danny recovers. Crane and Zoe set out on their second date, and afterwards, Crane and Abby speculate about Pandora's return. Meanwhile, Jenny sleeps fitfully as the red gem infects her body, and symbols and skeletons haunt
0: her sleep. It's not looking good for our Jenny.
1: No. Do you think the Phantom's going to be a little upset about that? I was upset about it.
0: Oh, yeah, indeed. I know. That's... I didn't like it either. It was like, no. Don't we do this We were all to thinking J. it was Joe, 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 but no.
1: We were wrong, <laughs> <job>. wrong, wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, well, this will be a great episode to talk about. Indeed. So what kind of news do we have this week, Steve?
0: All right. We've got some rating news, as always. We actually have some Live Plus 7 numbers, finally. For Episode 2, Whispers in the Dark, Sleepy Hollow tied for 16th overall in adults 18 to 49 percentage increase, going from a 0.7 to a 1.7 for a 70% increase. Nice. And it tied for 11th overall in viewer percentage increase, going from 3.2 million to 5.2 million for a 62% increase. So, we're picking right up with the Live Plus 7 numbers that we had from the premiere.
1: So, okay, Fox executives, pay attention to that.
0: Yes. Episode 3, Blood and Fear, the Live Plus 7, Sleepy Hollow was number 6 overall in adults' 18 to 49 percentage increase, going from a 0.8 to a 1.5 for an 88% increase. And it also tied for sixth overall in viewer percentage increase going from 2.9 million to 4.9 million, a 66% increase. So once again, strong DVR numbers. And for this episode, our Live Plus same day, we didn't get the bounce that I thought we might from the Bones crossover. We were back down to 3.02 million viewers with a 0.9 rating and a three share in adults 18 to 49.
1: I was hoping for a little bit higher after the Bones crossover episode as well. At least it didn't go back to where it was before, but I definitely expected something a little bit higher than, than this. But well, the- it is a
0: little higher. I mean, we had mm-hmm. dropped under three, and now we're back over three, and we had actually been down to a 0.7, and we're at 0.9. So if we get what we normally get with the live plus seven, those numbers are going to look a whole lot better. It's going to be like five and a half million and probably almost a two rating.
1: And that would be great. I think that the main thing is finding out how long the winter break is going to be.
0: Yes, that will be huge.
1: All right. So do you have a rating for us this week on this episode, Steve?
0: Oh, absolutely. I really enjoyed this episode and I'm giving it 9.0. Don't bring a crossbow to a bug fight.
1: (laughs) I know. When he pulled out that crossbow and he aimed it at the Red Lady and I thought, she's nothing but a bunch of wasp particles. (laughs) How on earth is that going to kill all those thousands of wasps? And it didn't.
0: No effect whatsoever.
1: None. Well, I gave it, I also liked it quite a bit, and I gave it nine pretty shiny red gemstone blings that I never want to own.
0: I don't think I would want to uh, be in possession of that type of uh, gemstone either.
1: No, it only took seconds, mere seconds, for it to dissolve and be absorbed into her body. Well... So we've got a lot to talk about this week, Steve. Why don't we just jump right into it and tell us about Pandora and our evil
0: of the week? Yes, this time Pandora does request an evil from her box, and it comes in the form of a large swarm of Jack Spaniard wasp that are exclusive to the Caribbean.
1: So, how on earth did they get up to Sleepy Hollow? Oh, that's right. She magically pulled them out of her box, didn't she?
0: Yes. She made her wish and clicked her heels three times and uh, the box opened and there they were.
1: Oh, those were red shoes too. Wow. Red is going to be a theme here this week.
0: That sure could be. Now, I thought it was interesting that she did name her six fears secrets, chaos, loneliness, innocence lost, death. And the fear of fear itself.
1: And that's very interesting because there are a lot of other fears out there. I mean, how many phobias can you possibly read about? I'm sure that fear of wasps is a phobia.
0: Absolutely is.
1: I wonder if these are personal fears for her.
0: Wow, that would be very interesting if those were her fears and that she was overcoming them by causing others to have those fears.
1: Well, that would be pretty rotten of her because I have a fear of bridges and I'm not going to push somebody off a bridge to overcome my fear of bridges. No, (laughs) Nasty piece of work, isn't she?
0: Yes. Now, of course, this swarm of Jack Spaniard wasps also can take a human form. And the Red Lady was not one of Corey's better monsters, I'm afraid.
1: (laughs) Those eyes were just like what?
0: It kind of reminded me of the uh, real bad remake of The Fly. Oh
1: no, I'm uh, I'm so actually I'm so glad you said that because honestly <laughs> I thought the same thing. Corey, Good. we still love you if you're listening. Oh, absolutely, but, but we yeah, love his work. Yes, absolutely do, but yeah, the big blue eyes were like really at least blink or something. Do something, <laughs> look scary, glisten.
0: Yeah, and the sting of the wasp causes paranoia, madness, and ultimately death.
1: Yeah, I think that they said that that would happen within 10 hours.
0: Yes, within 10 hours. Now, the first attack is on a judge, who we don't know this at first, but happens to be hearing Crane's case which ends up not being heard because of the judge's quick death.
1: It's just as well because I think that with the state of mind the judge was in, he would either have thrown Crane into lockup forever or Uh else try to have his bailiff shoot him.
0: Right. Yes, he would have. What I found really curious about this was you see the first one comes in the judge's chambers and he gets a cup and he actually catches it on this windowsill. Yes. Yes. And as his hands on the cup, it actually starts to jump up, and you go, "Oh, this is not going to end well."
1: Nope. It was funny when I first saw that cup, and all I saw was the Who's on it on the top. Yeah. And I had to, I had a freeze frame it, and it looked like it was blue and white. And I'm thinking, does he have a Doctor Who cup? Yes. And, I, and and it was it just said who's to judge, which of course makes sense because he's a judge. A judge yes. Uh, I'm like, okay, fine. Who did the and red lady go after next?
0: After the head of the PTA. So apparently she's decided that she needs to go after leaders in the community and of course, Danny is next.
1: And that does make sense, because if she is the queen, kind of like the queen bee, pun Mm -hmm. intended, then she is going to go after other powerful leader-type figures, because that's where she's going to get probably a stronger dose of fear of fear itself.
0: Yes, more paranoia, more madness.
1: More power for the red rose that is yet to bloom.
0: And We find out that the red lady must die to release the souls of the people who have been stung. The toxic tonic that they found out about was only a short term fix. And the only way to destroy the lady is to burn her house down.
1: And fire is the name of the game.
0: Now we see Pandora again, all decked out.
1: Oh, she was styling, wasn't she?
0: Yes, she was, including jewelry, which she had two of her earrings on the tree.
1: Oh, that was cute. Because <laughs> if you think about it, what one of the little jewelry things that you can buy, right, for, uh-huh. to hang your earrings, is called a tree. Yes. All right. And I looked at that and I thought, oh, please, no. That is so <laughs> corny. But I loved it.
0: And she's waiting for the final bud to bloom, ready to meet her leader, which has got to be a bigger bad than she is. There's just very little doubt in my mind that whoever this person is, he's going to be much more to deal with than what she was. And she's been a handful.
1: Yeah, she has, hasn't she? And I know we'll talk about that a little bit more
0: later yes, on. Yes, we will. Mm-hmm. Now, she tells Crane that she'd like to give him a history lesson.
1: That was hysterical.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I thought, you writers really have a cute sense of humor poking like that.
0: They sure do. Now, of course, Crane takes his shot with his crossbow, and it doesn't even get there as she stops it before it even gets close to her.
1: Yeah, she was like Supergirl, you know, made of steel. Uh Uh-huh, she was.
0: Yeah, it was one of those. We've seen several bad guys catch arrows here recently.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
0: And Pandora's right there with uh, Daniel Dart.
1: And his eyes got big like, uh uh-oh. There was
0: some true fear in those eyes. I think so, too. Now she goes on to tell Crane and... Abby to bear witness, which was another little uh, dig. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we had some extremely creative writing this week. There were all of these little goodies that were just peppered throughout the episode.
0: Yes. yes. Miss Williams was fantastic in the writing of this episode.
1: Yes. Witnesses. Bear witness. witness. Mm, yeah. Okay.
0: And of course, she makes her escape by opening up the treval and descending downward.
1: Kind of like the staircase in Dante's Inferno. Yes. Which we know leads to...
0: The Underworld.
1: Indeed it does.
0: Now we had a whole bunch going on with Team Witness, Barb.
1: Yeah, Steve, this week, even though Jenny and Joe were the quote-unquote B-storyline, I think that they got just as much screen time, maybe if not, and more meat, more meat in their story, than I think that we had with the A storyline. I thought it was that good.
0: Yeah, I totally agree, because we really only had two or three people stung, but we got a whole bunch of stuff with Jenny and Joe.
1: Yes, we did. And that started right at the very beginning, because once Danny was stung, Jenny and Joe were right there. You know, Joe, our good EMT, he has a sedative, and he gives it to danny to knock him out and help them be able to control him and of course jenny knows where to find this rare ingredient for this tonic that and i call it a curative tonic but it's actually not a cure it's only a temporary reprieve
0: but and i love joe's comment as they're explaining to joe what's going on and he goes welcome to sleepy hollow yeah <laughs> <laughs> another great line <laughs>
1: Now, of course, Jenny, being an artifact acquisition expert and knowing all these interesting individuals... With interesting histories, let's just call them that. So she knows this person, Azica, or an Obeah man, who is a person who practiced folk magic, sorcery, and other religious practices in the West Indies, primarily in Trinidad and Tobago. And so they go to visit him and he says, hey, he can get it for them, right? That's not too surprising that she would know somebody like that. So he had an interesting little shop with all these little glass jars of things on the shelf and he had, you know, some nice Caribbean music playing in the background.
0: Yeah. Now, it was real great that he immediately thinks that Joe and Jenny are a couple.
1: Oh, that was cute. And they're both looking at each other like, um, no, uh, no, 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 no. no, no. no.
0: <laughs> and he wasn't going to give them the ingredient until joe mentions paying cash and oh oh yeah i think i've got a little bit stashed back in the back hold on a second
1: yeah and uh jenny wanted the family and friends rate too which was very yes. cute well the thing that surprised me is and he put up his hand right five and i'm thinking five what and i'm thinking that's got to be five hundred dollars and so sure enough she pulls out a lot of cash out of her pocket and those are hundred dollar bills that she's counting off yes and i thought where on earth does jenny get that type of money But anyway, as soon as she hands him the dollars for the purchase and their hands touch, he kind of turns into this Smolik-sounding, possessed creature with his white eyes, his voice changes, and then he tells her what I think was one of the creepiest lines of the entire episode. A shadow older than time falls over your soul. You shall be claimed. And then he says... After he snaps out of it, he tells her he knows that her fate has changed, and he tells Joe to protect her. And I thought, oh my goodness gracious, what's going to happen to Jenny?
0: Yeah, that was a very scary moment for Jenny to hear that a shadow older than time falls over your soul, and you just go, mm, what?
1: No, no. I know they've seen enough creepy things, or at least Jenny has. Joe hasn't seen quite as many at this point, but he's working on ratcheting that up. But Jenny's seen enough now to know that's got to be something bad and yet she didn't mention it to abby and neither did joe so shame on joe for not telling that to abby and to crane
0: exactly and i've got another issue with joe that we'll bring up here in just a second
1: yeah i have a feeling that you and i are going to have the same issue
0: yeah yeah
1: (laughs) so anyway off they go right? And now Jenny had earlier had agreed to obey Abby and that she and Joe would not go after Atticus Nevins. And at least Jenny told Joe that and she told him that she was sorry, but apparently they made a separate side deal. Because of course, we see Joe having a few drinks, calling Nevins, saying that he wants to meet. Of course, we don't know to whom he has made that phone call when we see that scene. And then we see Joe sitting down with Nevins. He says that Mills isn't involved. And Nevins is playing him like a fiddle, in my opinion. And I think that's going to be a point for debate, and it would be really nice to hear from our sleepy heads what they think about this, because Nevins kept telling Joe that his father wasn't a good guy, that Joe has the same darkness as his father has, that his father really knew that the world wasn't about good or evil, it was about power, and he just kept playing these mind games with Joe. And I'm still struggling to believe that, Steve. What do you think?
0: Knowing what we know about Corbin, no. Corbin wanted to get the powerful things out of play, not use them for evil deeds or to even sell them. I mean, yeah, I'm sure he probably did sell some just to support himself as he was doing this, but not, I don't think, Corbyn ever used any of it for for the same reasons that Nevins was stating. Now, Nevins is doing that with that stuff? Oh, absolutely.
1: Well, You know, as we've been talking here, I had another thought. So let's say that these buddies, they were young. I always like to say young and dumb. But let's say that they started out that way and they, they had the lust for the money and the power. And maybe August did begin that way. And they did put money in the bank account. But then I would say that he probably realized what evil could really do because he wasn't living high off the hog. He was a sheriff in a simple little town. He certainly wasn't using the money in those two bank accounts in Geneva and in Liechtenstein. And perhaps he did do that for a period of time, but then he had an awakening. The awakening was taking care of the Mill sisters and his son and whomever else he was taking care of and trying to rid the world of evil.
0: I like that. Very possible. And of course, you got to love Atticus's line, I wanted to hide the cash in Bolivia like the Butch and Sundance thing.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And then when he also said, Joe, do you know why we are playing Ring Around the Rosie over the stone? And I thought, oh my goodness, that's so funny. The writers just made a shout out to their Pandora's little um, humming of the Diddy Ring Around the Rosie Rosie. a couple of, yeah, a Mm -hmm. few episodes ago.
0: Exactly.
1: Easter egg.
0: And we know that his line that there is no good, no evil, just power.
1: No, he may want to think it, but I don't think that that's what August Corbin ultimately believed. Not at all. Not at all. And I also don't think that Nevins would have allowed Joe to take the money in those two bank accounts. So I wonder if there's anything there if Nevins had not already taken it for himself.
0: Oh, I'm sure he's probably already drained those two accounts.
1: Probably. But by telling that to Joe, then you can introduce the thought of greed to Joe as well.
0: Very much so. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. So anyway, while they're sitting there, and Joe has just turned over the Shard of Anubis to Nevins, and Nevins starts playing with it, and bingo, it has a little hidden snap or a little hidden pocket inside, and it opens up, and here is a a red gem-like stone inside of it, which is apparently the real thing that they want to get. That's Yes. mm Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know if Joe actually didn't notice, but Nevins put gloves on as he was opening that up.
1: Oh, I didn't notice that either, Steve. Nice yes, catch.
0: That is why he didn't have the stone absorbed in his skin because he had it gloves on.
1: Son of a gun. Well, that explains his little smirk at the end even more. Yes. Okay. So, of course, then Nevins tells Joe that they're going to take a little ride. And we all know what that means. (laughs) Yes. But Joe didn't go it alone. Jenny had his back. And she helps disarm the thugs that are with Nevins. And Joe tells her to grab the stone. And she does. She gets it out of Nevins' pocket. They lock the guys in, which didn't last very long, into this little shed. And go running to the car. She pulls out the stone out of her pocket as she's getting into the car. Looks at it and it goes right into her hand, completely absorbed, gone.
0: Yes, and that is the one thing that because Joe is is so green in this whole acquisition process that I don't think he noticed that Nevin's put on the gloves and he sure didn't say anything to Jenny about it.
1: Well, he didn't even ask her, where's the stone? Oh, yeah. And she didn't say anything to anyone. And I thought, are you kidding me with all the stuff that they've had going on? Neither one of them is going to say anything to each other?
0: And they really still don't know what it does.
1: No, but we saw Jenny in the very last clip of the episode. And here she is in bed and... Her trying to sleep and she's turning back and forth and her skin takes on this glowing molten lava-like hue as it seems to be running through her body. And She tosses, she turns, she's having nightmares. She's seeing skeleton heads. She's seeing strange hieroglyphics. And then she saw that creepy-looking face at the very end also. Yes. So an exciting week for them.
0: Very much so. I don't like the way that, where it's headed, though. At least I don't have a good feeling about it, that's for sure. I
1: don't either. But, oh, Jenny. Oh, Jenny. We didn't think it would be her. Well, we knew it would be her because they said nothing would ever come in between the two sisters. So we knew something was going to happen.
0: Yeah, that was our first clue.
1: So, Ichabod, he had an interesting time as well.
0: <laughs> well, we definitely have discovered that Crane has Got an obsession with frou-frou drink as we see him with one complete with an umbrella.
1: Yeah, that was adorable. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, he has a frou-frou drink and it has an umbrella in it this week. How could he? He gave up on whiskey pretty quickly.
0: I really think it's because he was on a date and he didn't want to come off as a heavy drinker, I guess. So he went with the, a lighter frou-frou drink. Maybe. I don't know.
1: They need to show him beer.
0: Yeah. He should have had a beer.
1: Guy, first date, frou fruit drink? Um, no.
0: No. Yeah, that was not in the uh, 20 questions yeah. to ask <laughs> on a first date.
1: <laughs> what would you take from your burning house, Steve? Oh, my <laughs> gosh. I'm thinking, really? Is that really yeah. on the internet? Oh, no. I'm not looking.
0: No. And then, of course, you know, he says, oh, yeah, this is a real fancy uh, maneuvering with the knives. But. Wouldn't do him any good in a fight. (laughs) No. (laughs) Zoe looks at him like, huh? (laughs) What are you talking about?
1: And then he had to pay for the cute little heart that was placed in front of them. Yes. Chop, chop.
0: So yes, the first date with Zoe did not end well, did not go well, which really isn't all that surprising, but I think he went overboard in trying to make it go well. And I think that's what, submarine team
1: Well, it's been 250 years since years. he's had a date. Things have changed.
0: Just a little. Just a little. And of course, we didn't get to see the trial either, which I so want to see.
1: I know. We're missing out on these great opportunities watching him take his test, getting quizzed, uh, having case Oh, all of those little gems, but you know, we had so much good story. I know it would have been difficult for them to fit that in.
0: Yes. Now, he did discover what type of wasp they were, and he also figured out that the symbol on the back of his tablet is the tree with six blooms that must correlate to Pandora's evils, and she is probably close to achieving her goal.
1: And that is so interesting because it makes you wonder, by Crane getting the stone out of his ancestral home, Did that wake up Pandora in some way? Because then that's when she started, you know, she shows up in Sleepy Hollow when he gets back.
0: That could have actually been the thing that released her, was him taking the tablet.
1: Interesting thought. It's a good thing they had the tablet, because then they can figure out, or at least what she's up to.
0: Yes. And of course, Crane tries once again to go on a date with Zoe, and they decide just to go with it. Which also happened to be a line that Betsy Ross said to Crane. So another shout out or callback or Easter egg to a previous episode. But the one thing that I enjoyed the most of Crane this episode was him and Abby talking about their relationship. Yes. And you know, he's trying to get Abby to open up some about her relationship with Danny and she's blocking his every attempt. So it was a nice little uh, game of cat and mouse that Crane didn't do so well on.
1: No, he didn't. No. And another thing that we really haven't talked about much were his fighting skills with the red lady down in the lair. Yes. Because even though he kind of blew it with the crossbow, when they went hand to hand,
0: He held his own, and he really shouldn't have.
1: Yeah, Just barely. Yeah. But it was funny, because when he grabbed onto her and she grabbed onto him, I expected to watch her kind of disintegrate into wasps again. She probably would have been more effective if she had just stung him to death. But of course, I'm glad that she didn't. We would have no show.
0: (laughs) Exactly. All right, let's talk about Abby.
1: So Abby, she sat down and she had that little heart-to-heart talk with Jenny, thought That Jenny would listen to her. Jenny said that she would talk to Joe. And Danny asked her about it. And, of course, he said, hey, sometimes when it's family. And if you think about it, Abby probably should have known better. Because Jenny does act on her own. She's very initiative-oriented, I'm going to (laughs) say. She will take the lead. And if something needs to be done, she's going to get it done. And she's going to help her friend Joe. Because they want to know about Corbin who was their mentor and Joe's father, as she said. So Abby, she's incredibly intelligent, and she probably should have picked up on that.
0: I agree. that She probably shouldn't have taken Jenny at her word and followed up for sure.
1: Yeah, but they had a few things on their mind, especially once Danny was stung. And if we want to talk about some great moves this week, oh my goodness, Abby taking down Danny. You go, girl. You
0: go. That was awesome.
1: I guess we know who kicked whose posterior when they were at Quantico in the hand-to-hand combat class. She did great. That was so
0: awesome. Yes. And it took no time at all. Oh,
1: no. She got him good. And the other interesting thing this week is we found out a little bit more about Abby and Danny's relationship while he was on his rant, rave, hysteria, paranoia kick due to the wasp sting. And it sounded to me as if it was very short term, that it happened in, what, a little shack on the beach at the Outer Banks, which, by the way, is in North Carolina. And I was wondering if that was perhaps another little writer shout out to Sleepy Hollow's prior filming locations in NC.
0: I think it probably was because North Carolina is not anywhere near Quantico.
1: Well, it's a couple hour drive, and I would think that most people might go to Virginia Beach or over to probably there somewhere in Virginia as a, as opposed to okay. going down to North Carolina. But that's, uh, I thought that that might be a little shout out, and I thought that was nice. So it sounds like he still has some feelings for her because he basically said that when she walked out, that was sort of it, and that she left whatever happened between them and that little shack behind, but he did not. yes. So while I've been thinking that maybe Danny is like really a bad guy and, you know, maybe he did something that Abby saw and I don't think so anymore. I think that he's just lovelorn.
0: Let's hope so at least.
1: And I think he followed her to Sleepy Hollow on purpose because he's not over her.
0: That I definitely would believe.
1: Yep. Now, another cool thing this week was how Abby determined how to find the Suquient Hive by triangulating the victim attack areas. We have seen a lot of great detective work by Abby, but I think that they really showcased it this week, how smart she is and how she's able to come up with some ideas and how she handles problem solving and really how good she is at kind of putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Now, Crane wondered if Pandora's lair was in the same place while they were having their discussion. And so their intelligence fed off of each other and they were generating these great ideas. And and that's ultimately how they found Pandora and the Red Lady's hive and were at least al- able to eliminate one of the threats. But I thought great detective work. So they really showed, again, Abby as this incredibly smart, talented individual. And, you know, her character took down Danny. I really liked the way that they are doing that for her.
0: Oh, yes. they're They're definitely making her the strongest out of the two in more ways than one.
1: Yes. And when they got down in the cave, you know, I, I thought it was the old hairspray and lighter trick on the wasps, right? Yeah. Kaboom, instant firestorm. Um, I'm not sure if it was really hairspray or not. I couldn't tell what was on the on the bottle, but I just wanted to believe that it was because I've always heard how effective that can be.
0: Yes, but I was a little surprised they didn't bring the flamethrower from a couple of episodes prior.
1: Well, remember, they said that they were out of the... Um, out of their fire, out of their Greek yeah, fire. Yeah, well, the Greek
0: fire, yes. Yeah,
1: oh, that's true. But they said they were out of that, which is oh, why they was... had that unstable acid instead. Yeah. <laughs> and then the last thing, when they were down again in Pandora's lair, and Abby says, we start with that, meaning we're going to go take out the red lady first, and then the, Ahem, I'll call it the witch on a broomstick with the box.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh abby you go girl again and she was boy she was going to get it she was going to get him. that was it and she knew her priorities yes so anyway i guess that leads us into talking about some theories and prophecies
0: yes now we kind of already touched base on august and was he really a bad guy or was nevis lying and we both kind of think that I guess never really turned to the dark side. He he may have gotten close, but once he's, his life path crossed with the Mills girls, that kind of brought him completely back to the good side.
1: Or even before that, he saw something that was so evil and so terrible that he knew he had to make a choice. He had to draw yes. a line in the sand.
0: And please, 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 writers, don't do this to our Jenny.
1: Oh, Jenny.
0: We had the heartache of last season with Captain Irving
1: and his daughter. Remember when yes. she was possessed too? Mm-hmm.
0: And now we're going to have to deal with Jenny. And um, I'm afraid this isn't going to be a quick and easy solution. That will probably be part of the fall cliffhanger.
1: Yeah, that could be. That's a good thought. I was thinking that this may be something that they really roll into the second half of the season, but perhaps Abby discovering that her sister is possessed in some way, will be the fall cliffhanger.
0: Yes, I think you're right. And
1: that would be heartbreaking for Abby. She'll be devastated.
0: This will be the one thing that has that chance to kind of cause her strength to uh, waver a little bit.
1: Now, one of the things that has still surprised me is that we have not seen Daddy Dearest. And you don't bring him up in the first act if you're not going to use him somewhere else, right? Right. So is it possible that Daddy Dearest could be a help in getting her back to the light side, perhaps? Or will she go after Daddy Dearest if she is possessed in some way?
0: That's a very good question, because Danny is going to explode when he finds out what Joe and Jenny did. And that's going to cause some friction between Abby and Jenny. And who knows where that could go. Especially if Daddy does get involved. So, yeah, this could go in a whole bunch of different directions that only a couple are good.
1: (laughs) Well, now, that is an interesting point, too, Steve, because when Danny was under the influence of the sting. Now, remember, he said when he was in the hospital that he didn't remember anything after the point that he was yes. basically stung, but what he was articulating while he was under the influence was, "Who is this crane guy? He's not really a history guy. What really killed, you know, this woman? Yada yada yada." And so, in his deepest thoughts, he knows something isn't right, and he's got to be highly intelligent to be where he is right now. Yes. So at some point, he's going to start to figure this out. And what yes, happens-
0: I think he will. He will just like Irving did.
1: But I was kind of, again, I mean, I was kind of disappointed at first when I saw that go into Jenny's hand. And then it it appeared that she was possessed uh, in that last scene. And I thought, this is just copycat stuff. And I thought, writers, we've done this before. We need to have something new and different. And I think we're going to hear in some feedback a little bit later, an idea of how that might be different. Right. But I don't want to see just another common possession. No. We've been there. We've done this. Let's see a new twist on it.
0: Now, was Zoe the perfect first and second date? Mm, I'm still not convinced that she's all that she appears to be, as she also looked up the same 20 questions for a first date. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that seemed way too convenient.
1: Well, she doesn't have a reflecting pond that she's watching, as far as we know, anyway. Not the way the Pandora is. No, but is.
0: they may have his internet uh, bugged tracking where he's going on the internet.
1: And this is terrible here. You know, we're watching a show and here's this lovely, sweet character who may end up being a lovely, sweet character. And we're like, we don't trust her. We think she's really evil and bad. And she may be a delightful individual who turns out to be a victim somewhere along the line.
0: Yes, that's very possible. Look what happened to Caroline.
1: Because we know all the shippers out there are going to go nuts if he hooks up with Zoe, right?
0: Yes. Even if they... Already have.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm sure.
0: Oh, you would not believe the uproar that Crane's always getting the girls and Abby is by herself.
1: Well, she's got Danny in hot pursuit. She's just not interested.
0: Yeah. Or at least she doesn't seem to be. She said that last season. There are no time. This is not a time for relationships.
1: And Crane is hooking up with Zoe. But she encouraged (laughs) him to do it, too.
0: Yes, she did.
1: So a lot of times you push someone away when you're interested, but you feel like you shouldn't be. Because maybe you'll mess up a good friendship or something else. So this Mm -hmm. is a girl talking. This is the way girls think. So we may have some of that going on. Again, I watch the show for the story and the characters. Not for the shipping, but for shippers, that's for you. Maybe she's pushing him away because deep down she has deep feelings for him.
0: And they may eventually surface and work out. But... Bones. (laughs) Bones.
1: 11 seasons, people. Okay. All right. All right. So, where on earth did Pandora go?
0: Yeah. That was uh, a nice little trick that she had to uh, open the trunk and then disappear.
1: She grows the little buds. She sends out her evil. They all bloom. Then she plucks them and she throws them into a bowl. And they magically light up the tree. Oh, in red, by the way. Did you notice it was like red and blue? Yes. Mm-hmm. So red is red is the color. And off she goes into the tree. Actually, it was so important for her to go to the tree that she didn't even have time to, what, play with Crane, I think, is or something like yes, that? Yes. Yeah, that the, she said.
0: The history lesson.
1: Yeah, because she was mad when he shot the arrow at her. <laughs> yeah. Of course, I think I would be a little upset if someone shot an arrow at me, but I'm not a flaming evil person either. And so then into the tree she goes and poof she's gone. But she said a couple interesting things because she had said, "Oh one who remains hidden, whose destiny is to reign over all, light a pathway to your glory." And I I'm going to guess that the blooms lit the pathway for her because they opened up Treval, as I know you love to call it. Yes. And down the pathway she went. But here this person, one who remains hidden whose destiny is to reign over all and she's going down to the underworld well you know what i'm thinking when she's saying something like that
0: of course
1: hey satan and ark you know it's got to be satan or some form of satan or it's going to be some other great evil person in history that she believes should be the ruler and who may be her lover because again she used or she had a red rose as her last evil red rose eternal love
0: Yeah, there's very little doubt in my mind that she has a great affection for the hidden one. She wouldn't have gotten all fancied up if she didn't.
1: Yeah, good point, because she got all dolled up. You know, her hair is looking good. She's got on her her bling. She has on a pretty new dress. Yeah, she's going to the ball. Mm, I don't think so.
0: Mm. (laughs) Yeah, she's going to meet somebody important to her.
1: Very important to her. Someone that she wants to to impress.
0: impress. She dresses to impress. Yes,
1: exactly. So I think we're going to see this person before the break.
0: Yes, I think we will too.
1: Because otherwise, what are we going to do for a week or two weeks? I mean, the evil gone, right? More or less. We've got Nevin still, who's going to be a pain. We have Jenny, who is in some terrible shape. We know Danny's going to be ticked when he finds out about the whole Nevins and Jenny and Joe thing. But that's not an evil to protect Sleepy Hollow from, per se. No. So we got to have something bad. So, Pandora, you're coming back sooner rather than later.
0: Yes, we will see her and whoever she went after probably next week.
1: So let me ask a question here. Why on earth didn't Crane and Abby... Either chop down or burn down that bloody tree. Don't let her come back.
0: Back, exactly.
1: Close the door. Get rid of the passageway.
0: Just like they did before.
1: It's like, come on, guys, really? Nobody's thinking. They're all so smart and they're not thinking.
0: Now, we did see a lot of red in this episode.
1: Oh, we did.
0: And a lot of fire. Do we think that's going to play into, of course, what we might be seeing in the near future.
1: Well you have to wonder why did we open up with fire in front of Crane, even if it was at the Benny Haha? And then why did we close with Jenny looking like she was molten lava? It's all fiery. Yes. And Pandora descending into the underworld potentially. So that's screaming and flame and H. E. Double L to me.
0: Yeah, I agree. Things could get real hot here in the next <laughs> <laughs> two episodes.
1: Touche. It's going to be very interesting. I don't think that we've seen the last of Atticus Nevins. And I will say, Bill Irwin did a fantastic job of playing him as pure evil this week.
0: Yes, he sure did.
1: And a mind game player. So that was wonderful. Great scenes with him in it. A great choice by the powers that be in Sleepy Hollow to have him on the show.
0: Couldn't agree more.
1: So, Steve, let's go to the lighthearted side.
0: All right. What this it- week's ickyisms.
1: Yay.
0: And it didn't take long to get a good one. I've been accosted by a highwayman. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah he had to pay for that little heart in uh, Benny Haha, didn't he? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He sure did. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and probably the best one of the evening was Don't Acronym Lieutenant. Uh, yeah, I know.
1: PTA. What? <laughs> oh, they didn't have those when you were in school, did they? Uh, no, Ichabod, they didn't. Well, that's the way I feel at work all the time. You know, someone throws out an acronym, or we have the same acronym and it's used for like two different things. Yes. I'm like, which one? Really? I hate acronyms.
0: <laughs> and of course, at the beginning of the second date, Crane says, Despite my fears that you may find my predilection somewhat old-fashioned, the truth is I rather enjoy a constitutional.
1: And she understood what he said.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Poor choice of words there, Crane. <laughs>
1: That's all right. I think the second date was better than the first.
0: Yes, yeah. And he goes on to say, usually I make the circuit alone with my thoughts, but times are changing and so must I.
1: I like Crane the way he is. I don't want him to change too much. Do you think the writers are acknowledging that they needed to change the show in some way, and this is kind of like a little, another Easter egg, perhaps, for the fans?
0: I would say that it probably was intended that way, but I don't believe the fandom took it that way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, they're worried that he's going to change and he's going to start dating Zoe and they're going to become an item. Yeah. But then also, I think we're in the third season, right? We're two and a half in. And with everything that he has learned, this new world versus his 250-year-old world, he would have to change to adapt in some ways. And he has. He's done quite a bit of it. But so much of it has been in learning the toys, the techniques, etc. And now I think that it's more the emotional piece. It's himself.
0: I agree. And of course, he ends the episode after some banter with Abby. I cannot recall which great, great colonial thinker coined the phrase, Twas a tiny patch of paradise. Oh no, wait, it was me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it
1: wasn't Washington, it wasn't Jefferson, Jefferson, it wasn't Ben Franklin, it was yeah. moi.
0: Yes, that was quite a nice line to uh define his second date. Very cute. Yeah, after the first one was unmitigated disaster. It was. All right. We got a history lesson this week, Barb.
1: Yeah, this one was a little tough to pull out because we didn't get quite as much in history this week as we normally get, besides Pandora's little jab. But there was no Caribbean wasp. But in this week's epi, Grace Dixon and Betsy Ross assisted General Washington and his troops in December 1776 in Pennsylvania, which is what Abby was reading from Grace Dixon's journal. And so while there was no Caribbean wasp or Caribbean wasp to bring the men down, nice try, guys, but it didn't happen. Washington and his troops were in Pennsylvania at that time, and they were preparing for what would become an epic historical event, the crossing of the Delaware River. So after Washington and his men fled New York, just prior to General Howe's invasion in September 1776, and that was your history lesson last week, they primarily retreated to Pennsylvania, crossing the Delaware, heading west, and moving or destroying boats so the throatcoats could not follow them. Now when winter closed in, the British believed the fighting was over until spring, and they went to their winter quarters. When Washington's army first arrived at McConey's Ferry, he had between four and 6,000 men, although 1,700 soldiers were unfit for duty, and they needed hospital care. And they were by the side of the river, by the way, just as we saw in the scene. Now, many of his men's enlistments were due to expire before Christmas, and many soldiers were inclined to leave the army when their commission ended, with the pending loss of forces, the series of lost battles, the loss of New York, The flight of the Army along with many New Yorkers and the Second Continental Congress to Philadelphia, that left many people in doubt about the prospects of winning the war. But Washington persisted. Now, he had been considering some sort of bold move since arriving in Pennsylvania, and so on the morning of December 25th, Christmas, he ordered his Army to prepare three days' food and issued orders that every soldier be outfitted with fresh flints for their muskets. Washington was among the first of the troops to cross the Delaware River into New Jersey, and on the morning of December 26th, the Americans attacked. They captured 1,000 prisoners. They seized muskets, powder, and artillery. The victory had a marked effect on the troops' morale. Soldiers celebrated the victory. Washington's role as leader was secured, and Congress gained renewed enthusiasm for the war. So thank you, Wikipedia, for that information. And I'm going to include the link to that in the show notes if anyone wants to read a little bit more about that episode in history. And, of course, a famous painting came out of that, too, didn't it, Steve?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Crossing of the Delaware with George Washington there on the front of the boat.
1: Yeah, but he was standing, and realistically, no, he would have tipped it over. Yes. And and I got to tell you one thing, too. As I read that, and, and as I had rewatched the episode, and I'm looking at Betsy Ross and her not entirely cloaked outfit, and I thought, wait a minute. It was December. It was cold. There would have been snow all over the ground. Oops. Missed one, guys.
0: But, <laughs> but I- we do have to admit that, that it was nice to see Grace back and... I loved them kind of teaming up on this. Yes. And I made sure I tweeted that out several times, how I wanted to see more of that.
1: Yeah, that's good. I really enjoy seeing Grace Dixon, and I hope that we continue to see her in more guest appearances during the season, because she is just fantastic.
0: Yes. Now, we do have some feedback. Oh, good. Uh, This time it's written instead of audio, but it is from Justina. Hi, Barb and Steve. I give this episode 8 out of 10 fear flowers. I think Pandora is on her way to the underworld and will bring a demon back. Jenny Boddy sucked in the shard of Anubis so she might be able to judge people's souls, which will really be helpful if there are demons in disguise in Sleepy Hollow. This episode was very X-Files Monster of the Week type. So cool. Have a great week.
1: Thank you, Justina.
0: Yes, thank you once again. And what a great idea.
1: Oh, that is. What if she's right? What if the shard can be used for power rather than Jenny being possessed? Yes. And that would make her more of like an evil leader, which would be an awesome twist. And that would be something that would be very different.
0: Yes, it would.
1: It would still be something she would need to be cured of or rescued from. But that would be so cool. So thank you, Justina. That is a great, great thought.
0: Now, we didn't have any Facebook comments or iTunes reviews, but we did receive a five-star rating, so thank you very much for that five-star. We would love to hear your thoughts on this episode, so please send us your feedback and theories. We want to welcome our new followers on Twitter as well as Facebook, and thanks for all the retweets, favorites, and interaction. Shout out to the following. Bam, I Love TV, Danny, and Tenny. And I have some special shout outs to M. Raven Metzger, Rotimi Paul, who played Azeka, and of course, Miss Grace Onara Torres.
1: Nice.
0: We got some uh, retweets and favorites and replies back.
1: Oh, that's really nice.
0: Yes, I tweeted uh, Rotami about taking care of Jenny, and he came back and said, I I'm always going to be there for Jenny Mills whenever and wherever.
1: Oh, so sweet. Yeah, they're an item. They just don't know it yet.
0: Yes. <laughs> so you want to give them the, our contact information, Barb?
1: Absolutely, because Sleepyheads, we totally want to hear from you. We want to hear what you think. We want to hear your, your theories. We want to hear what you like and what you don't like. So get in touch with us. Our voicemail number is 304-837-2278, or you can go to goldenspiralmedia.com feedback, where you can use the SpeakPipe widget, which is on the side of the page to record audio, or you can typey-typey out your feedback on the form, or you can also attach audio feedback and send it on in. Now, when is our feedback deadline, Steve?
0: it's saturday at 3 p.m eastern time so you have no excuse the episode is on thursday night so you got all day friday to think about it and half the day saturday so you got plenty of time to get your thoughts together on feedback
1: yeah send them on in we definitely want to ensure that your thoughts are included in this podcast you can also reach out to us at witness prophecies on facebook come on join the uh, facebook page steve is always putting out tons of great pictures out there and photos and so we want to get your comments get your thoughts and interact with you you can also find us on twitter at witnessprofgsm. gsm you can find steve at sal your steve and i'm at tanger 14
0: and now it's that time for our spoiler section visions of the future so if you do not want to know about upcoming episodes
1: run fast now as if you're escaping the wasps <laughs> From the Red Lady of Carribee.
0: All right, our next episode on November 12th, The Art of War. When Reynolds heads to D.C. discuss developments in the Nevins case, Abby is left in command. Jenny and Joe deal with unexpected consequences as a result of stealing the Shard, which leaves both the lives of the heroes and Abby's career in great peril. Meanwhile, a new more dangerous evil force is revealed.
1: Uh Uh-oh, do you think that means Pandora's come back with her new friend? Yes. Yeah, that could be pretty creepy. And that's what we would expect to see. Yes, we would. Now, Steve... The episode after that is on November the 19th, and I see that you put in here that it was the last epi of the fall, and I haven't seen that yet, so you must have a super secret source. <laughs> and Or actually, you cleaned your crystal ball this week.
0: That's right. Well, I
1: forgot to dust mine. That's the problem. Okay.
0: Yes, that was, I believe it was one of the writers tweeted that out, that uh, there was only three episodes left in the fall part of the season, so... That would make uh, Episode 8 the last one.
1: And that means we would have 10 in the spring. So I'll have to get out my calendar after this and start counting to try and figure out when that would occur, how how they might fall. Anyway, the one, Episode 8, the last one then of the fall, is on November the 19th, the week before Thanksgiving. Novus Ordo Seclorum. And this, again, is the phrase in Latin for New Order of the Ages, and it is appears on the reverse of the Great Seal of the United States, and if you look on the back of your $1 bill, you'll see it there. In the aftermath of Jenny and Joe's run-in with Sophie... Ooh, Sophie's coming back. Abby is in deep water with Reynolds. Meanwhile, the witnesses deal with lasting implications of the Shard, Uh uh-oh, and find themselves in grave danger as they come face-to-face with a greater evil than they could have imagined. And so we'll have Peter Mensa as the hidden one. And this is going to apparently be Pandora's master or lover or whatever he happens to be. And Bill Irwin will be back as Atticus Nevins.
0: And we also have another bit of information out for you. The new book, Sleepy Hollow, Creating Heroes, Demons, and Monsters. The official making of the book is out now. So go out and order your copy. It is going to be a fantastic read it's done by tara bennett and oh paul's i think it's paul's gonna shoot me for forgetting his name but it's the same two people that have done several of. Uh, Of these type of books, they did the Fringe Notebook.
1: Do they work on Lost also? I know they did the Fringe Notebook because I've and I've got both. They
0: did the Lost book as well.
1: Yeah, I've got both. Paul Terry. Um, Yes, Paul Terry. Thank you. Yeah, I know. I'm like brain work. Uh, Yeah, I've got both of those here in my personal library, and those were fantastic. So I'm really looking forward to getting my copy
0: of this. Yes.
1: Amazon, and you can order it through Amazon. Go to GoldenSpiralMedia.com. Use the Amazon link. Oh, did I steal your thunder, Steve?
0: That's quite all right. Sorry. Please rate and review us on iTunes with good ratings and reviews. It helps other fans of the show find us as there are other Sleepy Hollow podcasts out there. To subscribe in iTunes to any GSM podcast, go to com slash iTunes. Let your friends know and hope you're enjoying our podcast. This is Steve. And a wise woman once said, don't get ahead of yourself. Oh, wait, that was every woman.
1: Oh, how right. And this is Barb signing out and reminding you to keep bug spray on hand. You never know when you might need it.
0: See you next week.